This is the Women Emerging Expedition Podcast, so you can follow the ups and downs and the roundabouts of the expedition and play your part in them. 24 women started on the 28th of May 2022 on this virtual expedition that will take nine months. We are women from across the world determined to find an approach to leadership that resonates with women. We'll be successful so that women the world over will be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. This is the twelfth podcast. It's the it's the launch podcast. It's the launch. They started. They started. They started last week. I'm Julia Middleton, expedition leader. They set off last week, met for the first time, and now you've met them all too because every single one of the twenty four women have been interviewed in the last eleven episodes of the podcast. If you want to read about them all in profiles, go to the Women Emerging website. But perhaps more important, there are thousands of women who are following the expedition through the podcast. Long are gone the days when you followed an expedition with a map. Now it's with a podcast. And then thank you to many thousands have also joined the private LinkedIn group or following on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever social media platform you're on. It's fantastic to have so many followers. This first episode, it seems to me, you've got to hear, let's have all 24 women together. So all their voices are here in the next few minutes. They're telling you why this is the right moment for it, for an expedition, why they're on it, and, and why you absolutely have to follow them as they follow their commitment over the nine months to, to making this expedition about an approach to leadership that resonates with women, work, 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 and, and try, trying to persuade you to, to get loads more women to follow as well, to shout from the hilltops about this so that um, many, many, many more people get involved so that more and more women say, if that's leadership, I'm in. But let's first, here's the 24. This is the right moment for the expedition because we are at a moment um, on this planet where we need new solutions. The way we have been operating as a society is not sustainable. We have very little time to make changes and this is the moment. I think we've done the same thing over and over again for years and for centuries. And I think it's about time for a change leadership, for a new type of leadership that could take us out of, of the world that we found ourselves in. So much has happened in this world right now and post-pandemic, I feel that if not now, then when? We've just come out of an incredibly difficult and also life-changing two years. I think it's time after being locked up and isolated to rediscover the world with new eyes. The leadership narrative in the world today needs some overhauling some serious editing. It's been far too long of not celebrating female leadership. As women, we want to make sure we're side by side with men to create this new world. It's time we think about fixing our world instead of fixing ourselves and fixing girls and, and fixing women. I think it's a very good time for the expedition 
because more than ever, we need togetherness. And also, not only followers, we need music makers and life makers. I don't think there is a right time to do the expedition. I think all the times are the right time to do it because we, can, we cannot wait it for the conditions to be ideal because they will never be. And that's exactly why we have to do it now. I'm on the expedition because we can't waste the crisis. And what we do in the next two years is going to set the trajectory for the next 10. Because we have the momentum. The examples are all there of incredible women. And the opportunity to learn has never been greater. I want to be inspired. I want to draw on the strength of women who are doing incredible things And I think that there is a power that I've only ever experienced in groups of women. Phil, it's the right time to really think about how collectively as a women leadership community, we could find the formula. I'm on the expedition because I want to find a way of leadership that resonates not just with women, but with everyone. I'm on this expedition because there are many facets uh, to the leadership of women and I want to explore those with other women who come from very different cultural contexts to mine. Connecting women together and connecting women with different cultural and social backgrounds can change the world. How healing and strengthening it is to be in the company of other women. You know, and our ancestors did it a lot. They had designated times where women got together and did their thing and men did their thing. And I I'd want to I want to be involved in more of those experiences. Traveling with others will push us outside our comfort zones, both physically and mentally. And this is where the magic will happen. And uh, definitely, it's a, it's a lonely journey, but uh, it's a very rewarding journey at the same time. And, but, the moment, but you have to start accept, first accept that you are in that journey. And I think that's a big moment for women. Please, please, please be a part of this, be a partner of this. Um, as I always say, no man, no one person, no one country is an island. There's so much to learn from one from one another. There's so much of your engagement, of your wisdom that we need. There's no community without you and collective knowledge is empowering. Ask your brothers and sister along. We need as many voices as possible from our generation to talk about leadership, the type of leadership that we want, that we want to work under, the type of leadership that we want to be a part of. As women leaders who want to break down systems that have held a large majority of the population back, we can do this together. So make sure that you follow this expedition because the time is right. The time is now. You will grow as a human being, you will grow as a leader, and we need your thoughts, uh, we need your partnership, and we need you. That's them. That's them. That you should have seen them on on Saturday morning. The joy of being with them all. There was there was Hinamoa who was lying in her bed at four thirty in the morning in New Zealand. Who was looking totally great. 
totally sharp of mind. The only thing that revealed the time was the fact that she has a rather gruff voice. <laughs> and then there was Anna, who read the most beautiful poem by David White called Santiago. Then there were masses of women who, who wanted me to, to, to plot out exactly what we were going to do on each on each meeting over the next few months with me going, oh, yeah, maybe, no, yeah, uh, let's see how we go. And being able to straddle this mixture of people who are delighted with the the, the sort of the expedition you don't know what you're going to hit next mode and the women who want a clear plan is going to be quite a challenge for me as a leader. And then there was there was a marvellous moment. Katrina said she was going to talk to a friend who is a Buddhist nun in Nepal who's a remarkable leader about leadership. And, and it was this look on 23 other women's faces of, please, 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 Katrina, take me with you. I want to hear what she says too. And then, and then there was a moment when Uma, I asked Uma a question. She went hesitant and sort of said, um, I need to think. And um, will you come back to me? And I thought, you know, there are 23 other women who are going to think that, that Uma's a bit sort of all over the place. I wonder why. And this made me laugh. Do not underestimate Uma, one of the most powerful and extraordinary leaders I know. She has to think because, unlike people like me, you just talk. Uma actually thinks before she talks. She was fantastic. And then there was then there was Lissa, who, as you know, is our res- resident disruptor. Lissa is one of those people whom I want to impress. She's the kind of person I've always wanted to impress all my life. And it was funny because at the beginning when I talked to her about the um, expedition, I knew she was doing it because of curiosity. And then and then it, there was a sort of an, a period of amusement and then definitely a period of scepticism. But now there's a sort of, ooh, this is great. So um, there's, there's no doubt Lissa is, I'm in. And then, and then the fact that everybody wants to to explore such different facets of the same question. You know, it was a diverse group from the beginning, but the diverse agendas is is completely fascinating. And then, and then actually, then then I suddenly spotted Andini, who was sort of on a corner of the screen, looking unbelievably glamorous, because she was at the Cannes Film Festival. The the mere mixture, you should you, you should have been there. But then again, you will be there because I'm going to make sure you're all there as you listen to the podcast over the months. So who are the two women I'm going to interview on this launch podcast? One is Dipali and the other one is Jude. Dipali because, because Dipali has to be the person to interview because right from the very moment the word expedition was used, she said, I'm in. I'm I'm part of it. And she did it in a really practical way. She she persuaded the Rockefeller Foundation, where she is a leader, to to to, to offer us the use of Bellagio, um, that b- beautiful palace that's on Lake Como in Italy, that we can gather there in February 2023, all 24 women, and and work there on our collection. It's an extraordinary, peaceful and elegant and happy place, a really extraordinary place where some great 
things have been launched over the years. And it's there that we'll work on the collection, the books, the films, the plays, the essays, the paintings, the, the pieces of music that, that will form the collection of the expedition and that we will share with you all completely open source in 2023 so that more women say, if that's leadership, I'm in. But Dipali didn't just say yes because of Rockefeller. She also said yes because the expedition speaks to her own story, a powerful woman who has succeeded against all the odds on many occasions and has to fight hard for the power that she has. And I find her immensely inspiring. I mean, for me, Julia, I I just feel very frustrated even now when I'm hearing the younger generation of women and hearing their experiences are no different from mine. And I thought surely in the last three, four decades, we had made progress, but we haven't made significant progress. You know, I don't want to go into the statistics. We have all the statistics around women's leadership, you know, where and how women are being represented, not represented, the tokenism that goes on, how far we are around gender equality, even on the equity issues, we're still struggling. So, you know, equality is a tall order. So I think there's there's a real sense of urgency, Julia, for some of us, including myself, we just like the moment to act was decades ago. And we haven't still been able to act effectively to really change the trajectory. So most importantly, what COVID has exposed, the pandemics has exposed, is the inequities that we already knew. It's facing us front and center. We're looking at the climate crisis. Who's going to be most effective? It's going to be the vulnerable young girls, women. Who's going to bear the burden of it? So, you know, as women leaders, this is really a moment now for us to kind of really rally all our networks and our abilities to really see the kind of world that we want to be shaping together. So I think, you know, both from a long-term perspective and just seeing what we've gone through for the last two years and the resilience that we have as women. I mean, Julia, that's been remarkable. But I think what is this resilience going to really translate into where we can see more action for the many, many millions of women and young girls, you know, who obviously deserve a lot better than what they've deserved, what they've got so far. It's interesting, the amount of young women over the last two years of running women emerging from isolation, it has absolutely hit me how many young women say, I don't want anything to do with leadership. It does not, you know, you tell me to be an authentic leader. If I'm an authentic leader, I'm then hit over the head because I need to really be more like a male authentic leader. You know, it's sort of, it's almost, if that's leadership, I'm out. And it's it's becoming increasingly the refrain of, of the expedition. How do we get young women to say, if that's leadership, I'm in? Exactly, Julia. And this is really an opportunity for us to kind of not get them to feel bashed up and say, you know, I don't want to be an authentic leader. What does an authentic leader mean? And what does it mean for me? What are the kind of values and principles I'm going to bring? And how am I going to be confronting the role models that have been set out there, you know, which are not helping us to kind of go past because this is this is tough, you know. I mean, like young women saying authentic leaders, if that's what it means, I'm I'm I don't want to pursue it. I mean, that's really a wake-up call, Julia. So all the more conviction that we need to really act and act now. Is revolution the right word? I think, Julia, it is. I'm being provocative over here. I think we've seen how we've tried to evolve. Uh, and evolution hasn't helped us to get anywhere. I think this is a moment as well 
where we can become more revolutionary because we we are i mean i just don't want to have another two decades where women are feeling just what i was feeling four decades ago like that's not acceptable julia and for that you know if you're just going to make incremental steps i don't think we're going to be making significant change so i really i really do feel it's time for a revolution did you ever think you would become a revolutionary i think i've always julia been a revolutionary in everything that i've tried to do because life has been tough being a girl child growing growing up in india you know my own family my where my father didn't accept me as a girl child he brought me as up as a son so I, there was constant revolution just to kind of get accepted that hey i'm not a boy child i'm a girl child and you know give me what i deserve as a girl child as opposed to casting me and then you know my professional journey um you know where it, it's it was never a fair world out there you know i had to constantly be proving myself and you know i it, it so i have been a revolutionary and i think julia every woman who's part of your expedition all the 24 women in their own way are revolutionary women when you look at tough journeys i think is it's weird isn't it because you know that the tough journey has given you often humility and often resilience and often empathy and i'm thinking of all the those miserable times in my childhood and and the good things that came out of them and the things that i've drawn on uh, i remember meeting somebody when i was 19 who said julia you can either make your childhood your weakness or you can make it your strength and make sure that the rest of your life is never like that anymore and uh, you know so it does but it also leaves scars doesn't it and understanding those scars is very difficult has it not left you with scars absolutely julia it has left me with scars and um the healing of the scars uh they they surface again i haven't i haven't been able to heal through those scars so i think even in the expedition julia if you can really spend time because i think again it's an important exercise you know we all have scars of different sorts whether it's our childhood whether it's adulthood you know just kind of creating that that space where we can talk about these scars and also learn from each other because i think some of us have been able to properly overcome those scars or kind of you know some of us are still in the healing process or some of us are still in pain from the scars you know so i think that'll be an important exercise and yes you know there are moments when um i do kind of <laughs> go backwards but you know again the perseverance in us you know on one side the humility the resilience and then of course being the revolutionary where you have to be putting on that act of being very strong and you know forceful and not aggressive but assertive etc so it becomes counterintuitive to what you are and you have to put on a lot of those things so i think also julia i can't say feel that you know many a times i'm living in two different worlds i have to adopt a particular style like you know i mean at times i know even in the home front my husband will say well you know i'm not x y z you're talking to and you know sanya i mean like yes you know i have to put on something on many occasions which is not innate it's not me but you know unless i do it that way julia i'm not going to be able to really break some of those those kind of shackles in which you know things need to be done differently so 
I think I mean the only way I could you know come to where I am in my own uh, life is I had to assert myself Julia in every single situation nothing really came easy for me and still doesn't come easy for me so you know that's the reality and that's why it's right that we're meeting at Bellagio isn't it because it, it's a place of peace and of quiet and of distance and of calm and of beauty but it's also a place where extraordinary things have happened over the years and therefore we have almost no right to be there unless we do something extraordinary so Julian, extraordinary things have happened out of Bellagio as you said you know whether it was the field of artificial intelligence impact investing Gavi I mean all these important things got seeded because we had these amazing leaders who came together gave all their time over three days to really you know be able to reflect on the things that really matter to them most and be able to come out from Bellagio with clear areas of work that they thought were really going to be game changers not just for them as individuals but really are going to be game changers at a global level so <laughs> i think you know just in terms of expectations julia and just by the set of women that you have i'm pretty sure that you know we are going to really have something extraordinary uh, and spectacular so there's 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 a lot of aspirations uh, that everybody has <laughs> is overwhelmingly on but julia this is where women do so well you know i mean we we constantly excel in everything that we do we're constantly stretching ourselves you know and i i think this is this is a topic so close we do that even for the most boring topics you know we always give our very best uh so for this that is something so dear to each one's heart Uh, I think it's going to be pretty phenomenal what the expedition journey is going to kind of come out with. So I, I know there's pressure, Julia, but I think we're putting the pressure on the right set of actors. And you've taken so much of time and effort to really get the unusual women together who normally would not be in this journey together. So I think that in itself is going to trigger some very, very important conversations and that whole discovery and that support system that you're creating through this journey. is going to be really something to watch out for and you know it's truly going to be transformational not just for these leaders so but for many many of us who are really watching and um, really wanting to see how we can be playing our part to make this end, uh, you know of the I, i don't think there's going to be an end of this expedition the journey is going to go on and go through various various phases so how can we you know for not part of that journey on a day to day basis like the 24 women you've identified but i very much feel part of that as well so dipali is one of our followers hey what an amazing follower to have she like you i know won't just subscribe to the podcast she'll be supporting every step of the way pushing us and sharing and shouting from the rooftops thank you thank you i love you dearly Dipali. The second person I interviewed for this launch podcast had to be Jude. Let me explain to you why. To me it's it's really important to sort of figure out where the expedition fits in and to me the expedition is only a tiny piece of the jigsaw. It's an enormous jigsaw and and this is only a tiny tiny piece of that jigsaw. Tiny but critical. 
to my mind, it's the missing one. It's, it's the one that unless it is in place, many of the other pieces will underperform because they won't have an approach to leadership that resonates with women. So I spoke to Jude for two reasons. One, because she is the leader of one of the biggest of the pieces of Jigsaw, Women of the World, wow, which she started a few years ago. But also I chose Jude because my, she's one of my dearest and oldest friends. She has an extraordinary ability with words, one that has inspired me for years. And, and very often for me, she has put to words what I am struggling to say. So I talked to Jude about leadership, but I also, I started by asking Jude, what will the prize be when our expedition is successful? What will the tiny piece of the jigsaw that we add, what will its impact be? The prize is a different kind of world that includes everybody in a different way. But I can see that it's already started to happen because I can see the fight back. You know, the, the fight back from, well, I don't like to call them strong men because I think it's a weakness being a bully. But the, you know, global bullies are unnerved and angry at a different kind of compassionate, thoughtful, layered leadership. And they don't want it. And they, they're using all kinds of methods to undermine it. Um, so I, that's all I can say, really. I think the prize is a better, much more inclusive, integrated, intersectional world. And I think we've got a long way to go to get it. And therefore, it's requ- it requires an expedition to have a lot of stamina and to know that you are you know, taking a journey on a road that's extended back in history and will go forward in history a long, long way. But the prize is that the world is better. I'm aware that when I've met really great women who inspire other women and inspire me, they have something in common, which is an acknowledgement of pain. They are somebody who probably has been through, I wouldn't necessarily say trauma, although in some cases it is, but certainly obstacles, hard knocks, difficulties, and self-searching. And that's something that you can access in them. They make that available. They have compassion. They have the kind of wisdom that comes out of recognizing that people can't live with absolute certainty. And that gives them an empathy without sentimentality. And I think that's the first thing I see in a great leader, which is the ability to self-reflect on the scars, the scar tissues, if you like, and be open to re-remembering those things and and, and going back to places of um, doubt. That's what I feel is the most important because to lead isn't to just work with an ideology. Uh, It's to recognize that the human condition needs support in a multitude of ways and that that support is personal. It's not about a herd mentality that you're giving support to each person to take their own journey. And so high emotional intelligence about other people and about themselves. You know, when you, you sometimes you, you know one of these women terribly well and you sort of, you, you sort of forget all of that because they've become such good friends to you. And then mm. suddenly you're in a situation and you see them stand up and take leadership and you go, wow, I'd forgotten just what a class act she is. 
what does she what does she do at that point i think i see leaders taking the responsibility of performing now that that sounds like a shallow thing to do no that's but, beautiful but but i think you know that they they gather up their energy and they know that what is required of them is to is to create a, a sort of energy zone because in a way that's what performance does and to make people feel that they, that they the kind of the the call to action or the imperative or the intensity of this moment is there and that's a kind of an excitement and it's emotional and it's you know it's it's thrilling and of course it can it can also include humor it can include shock you know because sometimes it includes narratives that people just go look i have to tell you this this is the story you must hear whatever but they they summon up a particular kind of extra energy that i would say is performative and even if that is in a very intimate circumstance they 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 move to this kind of central space of energy where they perform leadership and i'm not suggesting by that that it's um a cosmetic act you know a shallow act i'm saying it is a an intensity of action i am called a woman leader by others and most of us have a version of imposter syndrome or another way to put it actually is that most of us have a level of appropriate humility where we wouldn't say you know we do this automatically for other people but if they say no this is the impact you have on us then you're grateful and you'll carry on working towards being better at it um but you know sometimes you see a, a, a great leader that inspires you think gosh i wish i could be like that so then when somebody says to you you know you are one of those you think really really and i think that's a good thing that you you never fully own a, you know a, a sense of being a great leader even if other people urge you to believe you are one <laughs> because this essential quality of self reflection and self doubt in in balance with confidence is a, is a good thing i think but in terms of people feeling as if they are on their own journey to owning leadership and and not shying away from it because we need each other to be leaders i think the most important thing is to look at all the areas in your reflection of yourself where you experience shame whether it be over actions that you've done over things that happened to you who you are in terms of background things that people want you to be ashamed about or traditionally society has made people feel ashamed about and own those as the big kernels of wisdom about injustice and bring them to the surface because you know it's it's not like being good at your exams it's not being good orator it's not being kind of a clever strategist none of those things makes you a leader i think understanding the fear of being a human makes you a good leader and the things that society has trained people groomed people to be fearful for fearful about so that they they step away from power instead of owning it i think these are the things that leaders need to concentrate on and you know it can be difficult i mean i remember you know my daughter's a writer and i'm trying to write at the moment um, a book about my experiences in the arts as a woman and she said you know you should write 
down the 10 things that you would be most frightened about people reading and then start with them. And she's right, really, because, you know, the, the urgency to find the real truth of your life and then allow that to be revealed is what gives other people the courage to own who they are, too. I, I, I talk a lot in leadership about unlearning. There's a reason why we have out, outmoded and, and I think terribly damaging ideas in the West of superiority, of white superiority, of Christian superiority, of I would even say sort of Western democratic superiority. I, I think that, you know, we have been told, you know, that's our propaganda to ourselves, isn't it? That we are superior. And it's it narrows down our own emotional intelligence and it has a hugely damaging effect on other people. And we don't go into dialogue normally without a kind of sense that we need to just persuade somebody else that eventually they'll come around to what we think because we're right. And that's a kind of a, a tone that the West sets for the rest of the world. So, you know, I think that the, the humility to start again is what we're talking about. It's not easy. How could it be? There's, again, there's just thousands of years of this. And then there's another ingredient as well. I think it's theology. It's the way that, and I would say that's an even tougher territory to deal with, which is that the way that theologies have been constructed and written have dominant ideas in them around the globe that create power structures and gender binaries, and that you have to come face to face with those written theologies and challenge them. And I think people find that incredibly hard to do because it feels heretical. But I don't see, unless one challenges those, I don't think we will take a really deep next step at a global level. How do you focus something on women without excluding men unhelpfully? Well, you know, I think the reason why so much of my work and now your work is about women is because we haven't been given the opportunity to explore leadership, power, influence throughout history to an equal proportion as men. And I'm a white woman, so I've had more privilege than I would have had in these areas if I was a black woman or a woman of colour or a disabled woman or a gay woman. So, you know, a trans woman. I think that we are trying to allow people who have not had power to experience what power could look like if they had it and some of us have got it and to suggest that the command and control idea of power that has been the traditional male model is inappropriate to us, inappropriate generally to a modern world, maybe always was. And so I think we're looking at leadership models that allow people who have an internal dialogue suggesting that they're not appropriate leaders, which is all people who've been excluded. We have to break through that inner, inner doubt to allow women to come forward and be leaders. So, you know, that in itself is a very important thing. This inner dialogue that says it's not about me or I'm not the right person. It, finally, I won't pass the test. And then it's also a critique of leadership as we know it for people who have been on the receiving end of the way power is distributed. And we ask of those people, and in our case, this happens to be women, to, to critique it in a way that when going forward, they'll operate leadership in a different way. Who knows whether women per se would make different kinds of leaders if 
they had had power for thousands of years, would they be any different than men? You know, I, I don't know, because power is corrupting and exclusive power very corrupting. And I, I don't think you can rely on the idea that women are just naturally different and more compassionate and more just leaders. But what you can say is that people who have been excluded from power have the capacity to know what it is like when power is like done to you. And that may give you some of the listening abilities and compassionate abilities that men have been encouraged not to have. Make a commitment from the outset unconditionally to be friends with each other. I found it's really helpful if you just decide in advance that, that you will care and love people and decide they are your friends, regardless of whether they irritate you or you're not sure about them, or whatever. This unconditional commitment to be a friend, somebody that's on a journey with you, I think will be really rewarding. Because if you think about your own long-standing friends, you sort of take them with all their, you know, idiosyncrasies and weirdnesses and, you know, irritating facts like you do with your family, but it's unconditional. That's just the way that you create, you know, long-term friendship. When you're going into an expedition like this, you know, people are nervous and they are territorial and they've got boundaries and, you know, et cetera. It's much easier if you give away all of those things as if everybody already was your long-term friend. Because then when they are irritating, and we all will be, you can kind of just forgive it, forgive it. So I would say the most important thing out of this journey will be the friendship with everybody and how you can carry on then co-learning for, for years, hopefully. The thought of unconditional long-term friendship with the 24 women and the thousands of women who are following is, and of co-learning for years with them, is an utter joy. So our expedition is launched. It's been 18 months in the making, and I've now committed to nine months in the expeditioning, and then I suspect years in the sharing. I am very, very, very excited. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We would love you to follow the expedition and provide your own stories and perspectives. You can do this by subscribing to this podcast and joining the Women Emerging Group on LinkedIn, where you can have your say.